Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to talk about forgiveness this morning. Hear talk about forgiveness, probably without realizing it. Hear talk about forgiveness quite a bit in the news today. Found a, a few things without doing too terribly much searching. Hear and read about these kinds of news items all of the time. Here's one from uh, January 1st, National Post. This time of year-end reflection, when an idealized spirit of goodwill is envisioned, Mary O'Reilly has an important message for Murray Chilton. I will never forgive him. He should never get another chance. They're harsh words. Chilton's actions were far more abrasive. 1987, Chilton, who was then Miss O'Reilly's live-in boyfriend, raped, strangled her 18-year-old daughter, and torched her body to cover up his crimes. Or sometimes we hear, read about stories like this. This is from the Baltimore Examiner. When Jessica Vetter was killed by a drunken driver, her father, Jeff, was so overcome with rage, he contemplated killing the young man responsible. It's the beginning of the story. End of the story. Since the sentencing, Vetter visited Jacoby at the Baltimore County Jail. That's the young man who is the drunk driver where he's now serving an 18-month sentence for vehicular manslaughter. We talked about forgiveness, I said. You asked for that, I can handle that. I'm not just doing it for you, I'm doing it for myself. I was angry for a year and a half, I was so out of control, you couldn't talk to me. Now it feels like someone took a ton off my back. I'm not that religious. There must be a God around for that to happen to me. Forgiveness, talk of forgiveness everywhere, right? Can Sandra Bullock ever forgive Jesse James? Wow. Can Elon ever forgive Tiger? Every time I check out at the grocery store and I see a tabloid, I still ask the question, can Jennifer Aniston ever forgive Brad Pitt? It's been what? Three, four, five years? I've lost track. Part of the struggle that we have with forgiveness is that it's tied tightly to another F word. At least in our subconscious, if not in our conscious. And that other word is foolishness. Because when you think about it, in a lot of ways, forgiveness can be foolishness. We're going to take a look at a story. story from the Bible. I want you to go ahead and pull out your crosswalk notes or open your Bibles. This is from Luke chapter 7. Going to listen to a story, teach us a powerful, profound lesson 
about forgiveness. You follow along. I'll read. Luke chapter 7, we're starting at verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Powerful, controversial, scandalous, right? Jesus is invited to the home of someone who knew how to live and how to mind his manners. He was a Pharisee. See, the Pharisees knew how to live a clean, God-pleasing life. At least they believed that they did. Bit of history. You know, I've got to include some history. About 150 years before Jesus, a group of people had a question. Their question was, how do we embrace and preserve the truth? Good question. Bad answer. Because one of the answers that the Pharisees came up with was making a lengthy list of rules above and beyond Scripture, over 600 of them, 
rules that would help you stay on track in your walk, your religious walk with God. So here's a group of people who are highly religious, highly committed. They took their religion seriously. Invited Jesus, clearly someone who took his religion seriously, over for dinner. And in walks a sinner. See, something else you need to know about the Pharisees The word sin, sinner, are used throughout the Old Testament. But Pharisees, so far as we know, were the first group of people to coin that term and that phrase as it applied to a specific group of people. That, for example, tax collectors, as a collective group, were sinners. That prostitutes, as a group, sinners. So in walks a woman who Scripture describes as having led a sinful life. And we can make some pretty clear conclusions as to what that meant. And what happens? She sits at Jesus' feet. Tears? Perfume? Forgiveness? Are you kidding? Is that fair? First thing we need to do in our discussion about forgiveness is clear up a few misunderstandings. Two that we're going to talk about this morning, specifically two more F words, free and fair. Is forgiveness free? And is forgiveness fair? Start with the free. Forgiveness free? What do you think? Let's talk a little bit about economics. I'm an entrepreneur this morning. Decided to uh, open my business. I sell $20 bills. And they are available to you this morning for a dollar. Here you go. Buck buys you this $20 bill. You game? Don't stampede. (laughs) Silly, right? It's foolish. It's foolish. It's a foolish question. It's a foolish proposition because you're saying, well, John... The economics don't work. And after the first sale, you're going to be out of business. It's a great discussion. We talk about forgiveness. Is forgiveness free? Supposed to just give it away? The economics don't seem to work. Well, there's an easy answer for that one. And it's sometimes misunderstood. Forgiveness is absolutely, positively not free. It's not. Scripture tells us so. Take a look, your notes. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And now here's the part I want you to pay close attention to. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Forgiveness has a price tag. It is not free. In fact, forgiveness has an unthinkable price tag. You know, sometimes we try to get our minds around what the national debt is and the trillions and gazillions of dollars and trying to comprehend what that even means. Forgiveness is even more difficult to comprehend. The cost of forgiveness cost blood, make no mistake. It cost my Savior's blood. It costs Jesus' blood when as our substitute, he paid an unthinkable, unimaginable price so that now we can be forgiven. So that clears up the first misunderstanding. For you, for me, do we pay a price? No, we don't, because someone else picked up the entire tab. That's Jesus. Next one. Next misunderstanding. Let's talk a little bit about fair. I'm a teacher by training. I remember my first years teaching in an elementary school. One of the themes that I heard pretty consistently is, that's not fair. Right? We tick that way, no matter how old we are. We ask the fair question. Forgiveness, make no mistake, forgiveness is not fair. So stop trying to make sense of it as if it was. Forgiveness isn't fair because you haven't done anything to get it. You haven't paid the price. It's so unfair that the price that you deserve, that you owed to pay, that I owed to pay, was paid by someone else. It's kind of like in school when the teacher keeps somebody else in for recess The innocent kid and the guilty kid gets to go out and play on the jungle gym. Jesus picked up our tab. It's not fair. Isn't that great? 2 Corinthians 5.21 states that clearly. Take a look at the first part of that statement from Scripture. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, he was perfect, to be sin for us. It's not fair. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's an outcome we'll talk about a little bit later. So let's take a look. Your first note, your crosswalk notes. 
be doing a little bit of alliteration this morning. Forgiveness isn't fair or free, free or fair. Part of why to us forgiveness is foolishness. As human beings, as sinful human beings, we struggle with forgiveness. I do. Guessing most of you do. Someone else in Scripture really struggled with the whole concept of sin and forgiveness. Paul the missionary. Some of you are familiar with Paul. If you're familiar with the New Testament and Scripture, he wrote a big chunk of it. Paul the missionary, who, going by his Jewish name, Saul, chased down, hunted, jailed, and murdered Christ followers, was then converted. Began using his Greek name as he did outreach. Went by the name Paul. Certainly, Paul had vivid pictures and memories of the life he used to live, which were tough to shake, and he brought those up routinely. In addition to that, like all of us, Paul struggled with the day-to-day stuff that even as a Christ follower, he, he just found difficult to shake. Take a look at his words. In your notes, Romans chapter 7, you can just feel Paul grappling, wrestling with himself, wrestling with God. Listen to what he says. He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. We'll stop there. Can you relate? I can. I can relate to the stuff today and yesterday, and I can relate to thinking about things years ago that I still think, God, I know Scripture says so, but I'm still struggling with this forgiveness thing. If I were to reach right now into John's mailbag of sins... And the struggle for understanding forgiveness um, be a heavy bag. We could have some real fun pulling out John's mailbag, and and you could go back home to Sunday dinner and go, can you believe? I never imagined. Share a couple with you, though. A couple of things when I reflect on my past that I still, like Paul, I just struggle with, and I see these pictures, and I... Flood of guilt. Maybe they'll resonate with you. Maybe not. I'll share with one of them. It's a stuff thing. It's a simple, innocent stuff thing. When I, when I want, when I see stuff, that I know I need to make my life complete. That happens, for example, when I'm walking through Best Buy 
Maybe that happens to you when you walk through Best Buy or your store of choice. Maybe when it's the, the vacation that you want to take with your family, spend some quality away time, places you want to go, things you want to do, things you want to have. And so then you start, the, the wheels start turning and you start thinking to yourself, okay, what's this going to take? This is going to take some stretching. It's going to take maybe some sacrifice. Okay, if I take on a third job and a fifth mortgage on the house, I think we can do it. This card still has room on it. But I can stretch. We can make it happen. We can, we can do this. Okay, that's on the one hand. I'll trust that some of you can relate. And then on the other hand, there are the times when the offering plate has gone by or there's been an exciting opportunity for an appeal to help do some really important kingdom work. Maybe for my church, maybe in a mission field, maybe it's appeal for some people that are in need. Suddenly that feeling that I had at Best Buy disappears. And it becomes more something like Starbucks tomorrow. Wow. What happened to the stretch? What happened to the sacrifice? What happened to the whatever it takes? This has got to happen. And I'm going to trust God. Wow. A lot of guilt thinking about that. Maybe you too. Here's another one. One that gets really, really personal for me. See, I grew up born in the Midwest, middle class, moral upbringing, wonderful, amazing parents that from the day I was born, brought me up to know Jesus. So unlike Pastor Jeff, who, who's told you his story, who grew up as a child an unbeliever, I was just the opposite. And we were church people. And I praise God and I praise my parents for that. We were church people. Shined the shoes every week. They had my church clothes that were saved just special. Wore the tie. Mom wouldn't let me out of the house, go to church without a tie. That was unacceptable. I knew how to be, how to act, how to dress for church. I was, I was church broke. Church broke, yeah. And then I'd bump into other people. People who are different from me. 
a lot of different differences. Sometimes maybe it was their skin color. Maybe it was what they wore. Could tell, could guess. Maybe they didn't have church clothes. Maybe it was the length of their hair. Maybe it was the ink on their skins or the piercings. Whatever it was that made me think to myself, wow, these people aren't church broke. And if they came to church, they'd probably feel uncomfortable and I'd probably feel uncomfortable and other people would probably feel uncomfortable. So I'll just keep church, this whole Jesus thing for people like me, people that feel comfortable in my club. I'll let them make my pizzas and do my taxes and fix my car, pack my groceries. Not sure about the Jesus thing, though. Anybody relate to that? I see those faces. Pictures are in my mind. They don't go away. And I think to myself, God, can I be forgiven for stuff like that? And that's when I need to go back to these words of Paul. These really powerful words. And I just took a couple of sections here. I want to encourage you sometime go back to the book of Romans. Read all of chapter 7. Read that whole section there. Because when I'm wrestling like Paul, don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. And I do what I hate. I have to go back to these words to read the rest of Paul's story. And that's at verse 24. Because Paul comes to the the right conclusion, the only conclusion. He says, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. And then, thanks be to God. You know what? When Paul wrote this, I don't think this was a Thanks be to God. This is like somebody that's just been cured from terminal cancer, standing at the top of South Mountain saying, oh, thanks be to God. Because it was foolish to think that I could be forgiven for this stuff, this baggage, these things that continue to haunt me. God, You're the man. You did it. Here's the thing about that. Forgiveness is absolute foolishness. Unless we understand, like Paul, when we look at those words, that forgiveness is tied, attached, to Jesus. And it's only through faith, the faith the Holy Spirit works in our heart through Jesus, that we can rightly understand 
forgiveness. Take a look at your next note. Number two, forgiveness is foolishness without faith. Paul knew that. You know that. We've just celebrated Easter not long ago. I want to share something fascinating with you. The weeks just past Easter and that whole holy week, Jesus' trial, his crucifixion, burial, and then the victory, the resurrection that we celebrate at Easter. Take a look at John chapter 20. It's in your notes, starting at verse 21. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know what's fascinating about those words? No one Jesus spoke them. He spoke these words Easter evening to his disciples. That's significant. Easter evening. Here's what's going on. The disciples had just been through this spiritual, emotional meat grinder. They had abandoned Jesus. They're flooded with guilt, helplessness, hopelessness, and they're locked together, Scripture tells us, in a room. They're locked in tight out of fear for the Jews. And suddenly, there's Jesus. Easter night. There's Jesus, and he says, these words it says, peace be with you. And one of the first things that Jesus talks about after his resurrection, this first time he appears to his disciples, he talks about forgiveness. And not just you are forgiven, look closely. He talks about forgiving. He talks about getting out there and forgiving. Colossians chapter 3, 13 says it this way. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we're going to take a little bit of a change in direction now as we talk about forgiveness. Because we've been spending a lot of time talking about being forgiven. Spend a little bit of time talking about the other side of the forgiveness coin. Forgiving. You know, Jesus gave that instruction for a couple of really important reasons. Number one, as Christ followers, God uses you, uses me as instruments of his grace. He actually empowers us to forgive. 
That is serious stuff. It's a big deal. That's number one. Number two, when we don't forgive, you know what happens? We become prisoners, just like the Pharisees in that story that we read earlier on. We become prisoners. Take a look at that story through the lenses, through the eyes of the Pharisees, because it's not difficult to understand how they would feel, right? I mean, here are these people, they're holding it together. These are serious about their religion. And in comes this woman who's, who's the opposite, the antithesis. Think of the example that she gives for the, their children. Think of the reputation that she brings on the community. Think of it. And she can just walk in, tears, perfume, be forgiven? My goodness. If that's all it took, then people could just go around sinning. And they just willy-nilly be forgiven. What's going to happen with that? Right? It's almost shocking. You think about it. Shocking to think about how freely Jesus just forgave. Got a good friend, Paul. Maybe some of you have heard my Paul story because it's one of my favorites. My buddy, Paul. I've got buddies, Paul, here too. This is one that lives in California. My buddy, Paul, has a printing business. In fact, he's done some really nice work for us here at Crosswalk. A number of years ago, Paul told me a story about one of his most faithful and trusted employees. Employee's name was Willie. Here's what happened in a nutshell. Willie, Paul's most faithful, trusted employee, turns out, was stealing. See, Paul's printing business runs these enormous copy machines that make thousands and thousands of copies an hour. You know, they're like these little Xerox machines on steroids, and they're just enormous, and they take these giant, giant expensive toner cartridges. And Willie had figured out, a little bit here, a little bit there, how to sneak away, steal toner cartridges, sell them on the black market. Over time, Paul figured out what was going on. As he tells the story, he tells how just incensed he was. This longtime trusted employee would would do such a thing. Trusted him. 
Then as Paul tells the story, he said, you know, I thought about it. I prayed about it. And suddenly, and, and he starts to shake and quiver when he tells this part of the story. Suddenly, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to march Willie into my office and sit him down across from my desk and forgive him. That's what he did. Brought Willie into his office. Willie knew why. Sat him down. Willie's jaw is set. Knows what's going to happen. Getting ready for it. He's going to take it like a man. Paul tells Willie just how disappointed he is that such a faithful, trusted employee would do something like that. And then says, but Willie, here's what I want you to know. Just as I have been forgiven, you are too. Willie, I forgive you. And once this registered with Willie, he broke down and started crying like a baby. I mean, in gasps and sobs. And continued to be one of Paul's most faithful, trusted employees. Shocking. Forgiving can be shocking. Every bit as shocking as these words of promise. Psalm 103, verse 12. We use these words a lot here at Crosswalk, and we can't overuse them. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Period. Through faith in Jesus, you are forgiven and you are given. What in church talk and in doctrine talk, given a fancy name called the ministry of the keys, you are given the power, shocking power, to forgive. That attitude, that forgiveness attitude, it sets us free. It sets us free like the missionary Paul was set free when he said, thanks be to God. It sets us free like Willie was set free. It sets us free like this woman who came to Jesus' feet, tears, perfume sets her free, just like her. Note number three. Jot that down. Forgiveness equals freedom. Let's talk a little bit about next steps in the crosswalk. First of all, this might sound logical, based on our message for today. Confess your sins. 
unpack them, and, and pile them up. Keep them at the foot of Jesus' cross. Because God promises by faith, you are forgiven. You having trouble, difficulty forgiving? Going through a Pharisee moment? Dig into Scripture. It's God's promises in Scripture, His promises to you that has the shocking ability to lighten our hearts, to loosen our hearts, to give us the ability to forgive. Final one, meditate on Psalm 103. It's a great psalm, beginning to end. Psalm of worship, psalm of praise, and a psalm of just understanding and thanking God for this amazing, foolish, beautiful, powerful miracle of forgiveness. Here's what I'd like to do right now. If you have been at Crosswalk more than a few times, you know that this whole forgiveness thing is something we talk about every week and we put into practice in a part of our service. We're going to do that right now. We're going to spend a few minutes together. Pray, reflect, unpack our bags, and ask for forgiveness. So... I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you've heard a message that sometimes seems foolish. Message that Jesus, my Jesus, was murdered, crucified, sacrificed for the sins of the world. That payment cost him more than we can imagine. It certainly wasn't fair or free. This morning we ask you to bless us with faith and certainty that Christ's sacrifice was not in vain. Heavenly Father, our hearts are burdened with the guilt of the wrong that we've done, the good that we've neglected, all the sins that held Jesus to the cross. But by your grace, we celebrate the world's most amazing victory, your victory, when Jesus rose from the grave, triumph over sin, Satan, over death. Help us to tell people from Levine to South Mountain to Phoenix beyond the true peace that you've won through the blood of Jesus. Father, Satan, the accuser, is trying to tell us a lie. He wants us to believe our sins are too great that what we've done is unforgivable, just like he tried to do to the sinful woman. Remind us of your promise of compassion. When Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. For Father, for some of us, there's too much month left at the end of the money. Some of us struggle with relationships gone bad. Some of us struggle with abuse or addiction, with guilt or fear. We're tired. We're overwhelmed. We ask you to join our hearts with King David, who prayed, 
Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Father, all around us, we see the reality of corruption and crisis. Because of the forgiveness you won through Jesus, we ask you to help us stand with strength and courage, shoulder to shoulder with the great missionary Paul, who confessed, no, in these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's take a moment now to reflect in our own hearts and unpack our own bags and put every one of those sins at the foot of the cross. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.